Go get them. Thank you, Pastor Jay. Yeah, we've been, uh, we've been serving here together for a long, long time. It's been uh, a great privilege. And what a privilege it is for me this morning to get to teach God's word to us. Um, uh, my name is Meredith, as Jay mentioned. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, and, uh, you know, Pastor Stephen, uh, the last, ever since he's gotten here, has really, really emphasized the church and what is the church. Uh, and as you know, he's been uh, taking us through the letter of Colossians. Today, I'm going to take us through uh, another letter, at least part of it, uh, a pretty big important part of it. Um, but first, I want to share a little bit about my life and about my story, because I know many of you know my testimony, uh, but maybe not all of you know my testimony. You see, I wasn't raised in a Christian home um, and in fact, most of the time when Jesus was brought up in our home, it was used as a swear word. Um, so, you know, I often think that for me to be a follower of Jesus is a miracle in and of itself. And we don't always know when God is working in our lives or in our hearts. Um, we don't know when that's happening, but... To be able to look back and see what has taken place, we begin to realize what God has done for us, and we can look back and see who God put in our lives. Uh, through a set of circumstances, I rededicated my life to the Lord when I was 18 years old, and I asked and I prayed, I said, Lord, Lord, please, please keep me busy in your church. Help me to serve with a purpose that I would never, ever fall away again. And God has not uh, let me down on that. In fact, uh, even to the point of uh, being an associate pastor here for 15 years. Can you believe that? Uh, God has opened up doors for me to serve in different ministries. And I've just been willing uh, to walk into those doors. And I'm thankful and grateful for that. Uh, there was a time that I went through my life that I was not walking with God uh, between the time I gave my life to him and before I rededicated my life uh, to him. But I am so thankful and grateful for his faithfulness to me uh, in this life. And, and, and I really uh, think that it is important that we continue to honor him and to seek what he would have us to do. Um, you know, um, today we're going to be looking in First Peter, so let's, uh, let's go ahead and start that. We're going to be in chapter 4, and uh, I think it's really important that we know who the author is and know who he is writing uh, the letter to and why he was writing a letter. Um, Peter uh, is one of Jesus' disciples. And Jesus and Peter had a very special relationship. This is the same Peter that when he saw Jesus walking on the water, he cried out, Jesus, if this is you, command me, and I will come to you on the water. And Jesus said to him, come, and Peter did. But when he saw the wind and waves, he got scared, and he began to sink and after Jesus saved him, he said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? 
This is the same Peter that told Jesus he would die before he would let anyone harm him. And Jesus said to Peter, before the sun has set today, you will deny me three times. It is the same Peter that when the Roman guard went to arrest Jesus, he took out his sword and cut the ear off of the guard. And Jesus rebuked him and healed the guard's ear. It's the same Peter that after Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus asked him, do you love me? And Peter said, you know I do, Lord. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And I think Peter can be a lot like some of us at times. I know, like me, where he says things and does things before he really thinks about it. Um, And as a result, extra grace and forgiveness is needed. And I know that sometimes that's true of me as well. But Peter did love Jesus very much. He devoted his life to sharing the gospel, even at the threat of death for doing so, and in fact did die for his faith in Jesus Christ. Now this letter that Peter wrote is a letter to the churches in Asia Minor. The churches, it wasn't one specific church, but the churches in Asia Minor And that would be known as today as modern-day Turkey, okay? And Peter is concerned that the church is fulfilling its duty to minister to one another. So if you would, let's read from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. He says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And what a great passage in this letter that Peter has written. And the major theme of this letter to the churches is the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the foundations of Christianity. And in this part of the letter, Peter's giving instruction to the believers, not only in Asia Minor, but also for us today. Look at how Peter starts this part of the letter. He says, above all, meaning, Most importantly, after everything that I've told you, listen to this because it's really, really important to remember. And he goes on to say, keep loving one another earnestly. Let's stop there for a moment. Peter is telling us to love one another earnestly. And you know, we somehow get this word love convoluted today in our culture. In fact, our culture today, the word love really implies feelings, doesn't it? We talk about being in love or falling out of love or or what is love. Uh, But God's word says something different about love. Peter not only says that we are to love one another, he adds another word to emphasize it. 
he says that we are to love one another earnestly. I think another way to say this could be honestly. Not only in words, but in actions also. That we are to show love in truth to one another. What does it mean to love one another earnestly? Well, for a brother and sister in Christ, we're given preference to each other in this way. But let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 to see what love really is. Starting at verse 4 through verse 7, it says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Well, what is this love? (laughs) I have to be patient and kind? What if they make me mad? I can't have envy, even if it's not fair that they seem to always get what they want. I can't brag about myself, even though I think I'm much smarter than them. I can't be arrogant. Hey, I'm in charge here. They're not. What if I think that something is funny, even if it's wrong? What if I don't like something that someone did, even though I know it's right? I've seen this happen. I've seen this happen at this church this year. Now you're thinking right now, Pastor Meredith has gone crazy. But I've seen it, and I've lived it. I've had to go and ask forgiveness myself because I did not show this kind of love. What about you? Have you ever had to do that? Is there a situation in your life right now that you need to take care of? Maybe a broken relationship or a conflict that is unresolved? Maybe you're easily angered? Maybe you've just stopped talking to people because... You just can't deal with them anymore. Whatever the case may be, you got to take care of that. There isn't any room for interpretation here. God calls us to love one another. And it's not always easy because we're all sinners in need of a Savior, right? It takes a humble heart and a lot of patience. But because of the grace that God has given us, the forgiveness that we have through Jesus Christ, we're commanded to love one another. Church family, we gotta get this one right. We have to love each other as God has called us to do. Even in our disagreements and conflicts, we can love one another the power of the Holy Spirit, can we not? Yeah. The first point on your outline is we are to love one another with biblical love. 
And this isn't easy for us because we still live in a sinful world. Our sinful flesh, in our sinful flesh, where we aren't even always thinking what God would have us do, how God would have us act. But we think, how does this affect me, right? Instead of thinking of others, we think about ourselves. This is our natural instinct because of our flesh and the sin that we inherited when we were born. But it is not impossible for the Christ follower to change this in our lives. Take a look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. It says it like this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. I like how the NASB puts it too. It says, but with humility, consider one another as more important than yourselves. Whew. That's hard for us. That's hard for us, counting others more important than us. Number one, when was the last time you had to really stop and think about this before you said something? Or if you're like me, you say it first, and then you have to go back and apologize or ask for forgiveness. Or maybe there's someone that you still need to go and ask for forgiveness from. Later on in this letter in 1 Peter, he points out our need for humility even more. In chapter 5, verse 5, it says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 6 says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. In our flesh, in our sin, we struggle with humility. But God commands us to be humble, doesn't he? In fact, it says he opposes us if we continue to walk in a prideful manner. It is impossible for us to love one another if we don't have a humble heart. And humbling ourselves and showing preference to others shows that we are living by the Holy Spirit, right? We're submitting to the Holy Spirit. That's a humble action that we do. We submit to the Holy Spirit and not to our sinful flesh. So let's just look at one more familiar passage, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 26, that really drives this point home. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the, uh, the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You know, as Christ followers, God did not leave us alone to follow in our 
sinful flesh, did he? He gave us the Holy Spirit to guide us and give us the ability to walk in righteousness. How are we doing with this today in our lives? Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to give us guidance? Or are we just cruising along, handling things on our own to be able to, to love one another as Peter is commanding us to do? We must be living by the Spirit. Point two on your outline. It is impossible to love one another without living by the Holy Spirit. It is impossible to love one another without living by the Holy Spirit. All right, let's look at uh, verse 9 in our, in our uh, main text here in First uh, Peter. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. What? I can't even grumble? Whew. Have you ever been in that situation? A relative or a friend has asked you for help and you said yes, but you're not really happy to do it. And maybe it even really irritates you that you were asked to do it. You know when this really shows up? When somebody asks you to help them to move. <laughs> Have you done that? <laughs> hey, you want to know what it feels like to help someone move? Buy a truck. Buy a truck. So do we help others with a heart of joy and love? Or do we grumble and complain when we do it? And if Peter doesn't convince us that we shouldn't grumble, the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Philippians chapter 2 says it like this, do all things without grumbling or disputing. It doesn't say some things or things that we like to do. It says all things. The next verse in Philippians, verse 15 tells us why we should do all things without grumbling or disputing. Check this out. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among who you shine as lights in the world. Whew. I'll confess, I haven't always been perfect when it comes to not grumbling, but I'll say I recognize it when it happens. And if the Apostle Paul thought that we lived in a crooked and twisted generation then, wow, how much more do we today? The Bible tells us that we as Christians, we as believers are to be the salt and light of the world, right? And people are watching you. If they know that you're a Christian, they can see how you act, how you talk. Are you grumbling and complaining? Or are you showing the love of Christ as you walk through your daily life? You know, um, There are times, and I wonder if this is true of you too, 
that when you start going through that grumble and that, and, and you're thinking that way, do you ever stop yourself and say, Lord, why am I so, have such a bad attitude? Why do I do that? And when you remember Colossians 3, 23 and 24, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. This is the Lord Christ you are serving. And when you remember that, all you can say is, Lord, please forgive me. Forgive me for my attitude. Help me to remember that in all things I do, I do for you. And you know, grumbling and complaining just sucks the joy right out of whatever you're doing, doesn't it? It just sucks it right out of there. And it doesn't matter if we're, if we're helping here at the church or we're helping friends or family. We should be able to do all things with joy in our heart because of who he is and what he has done for us. Amen? Yeah. Especially for one another. Peter is telling us that we are to do all things for each other with the love that we are to have for one another. The love that is evident because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Do things for one another with joy. Point three on your outline is our love for one another is evident by the joy we have in serving one another. All right, let's look at verse 10. It says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And I'd like you to think about a couple of things here. First, when you think of serving one another, as this verse says, what are the things that you think about? The other thing I want you to think about is have you thought about what gifts or talents the Lord has given you. Verse 10 here says, as each has received a gift, meaning that every believer has indeed received a gift, right? So no one can say, I'm not gifted in anything. There's nothing I can do. You can't say that, right? Let's try not to think that way. And if you do know what gift or talent God has given you, how are you using it to serve him and to serve one another? You know, the nice thing about here at GEBC is that I know most of you are serving here in the body at GEBC. Some of you are even serving in multiple ministries. Wow. And over the years that we've been coming here, I've always thought to myself that GEBC does not conform to the 2080 rule. Do you guys know what the 2080 rule is? That says that 20% of the people are doing 80% of the serving. 
But I don't see that here. I see a church family who loves to serve God and who wants to honor him in this Christian discipline. What I've seen here at GEBC, as long as we've been coming here, is when there is a need, somebody steps up to fill that need. I've always been blessed by the fact that most of you are serving and being a part of the body of Christ here when there's a need to serve, and I thank you for that. I think of the ministries that I have the privilege of overseeing, and I'm so thankful for those that made a commitment to be part of those ministries. I think about the VBS that we just had a couple of weeks ago. Man, so many of you took your time and effort, I mean, hours and hours and hours of serving God to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you for that. But I also know that there are some here, maybe you've been here for a while and you just haven't found that, that place where God wants you to serve and be a part of his body here. And I wanna help you do that because I think it's important. It's an important Christian discipline that we are serving in God's church. I'll tell you, when I rededicated my life to the Lord, it was my lifeblood. It was what kept me connected to the body. It helped keep me connected to God, it was by serving and having purpose and being involved. And what a way to bless others and also to really be blessed by making a commitment to serve in your church by using the gifts and talents that God has given you to serve. And I know you come in, maybe you're new here, and you've come in, and you look around, and it looks like everything is taken care of, and you think to yourself, oh, there really isn't a need. But there are so many ministries that we have currently that can use your help. Youth group, usher, reader, nursery, Sunday school, children's church, worship team, tech team, care ministry, and yes, Pete, chair crew. <laughs> and that's not it. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I know that there are many ministries that I haven't mentioned, and we got ministry leaders going, Pastor Meredith, we need people so bad, and you didn't mention it, but I want to apologize to you first of all right now. My point is, there are many places that you can be plugged in here and serve and fulfill the command that God has given us to serve in his church. Point four on your outline is serving is a Christian discipline and should be a part of every Christian's life. Some other Christian disciplines that I can think of what about prayer? Spending time in God's word, reading your Bible, giving, worship. Just like these disciplines are so important to the Christian, serving is no different. It is so important to serve in your church. So if you're not serving, I want to challenge you today. Challenge you to serve. 
You can come and talk to me, Pastor Jay. You can talk to Pastor Stephen. You can seek out any of the ministry leaders. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, Jesus said to the disciples in Matthew chapter 9. And as we mentioned in the announcements today, as we've mentioned in the announcements the last couple of weeks, our fall ministries are gearing up to get started. September is right around the corner. And if you're not serving somewhere, I encourage you to jump in and get plugged in in that way. All right, let's move on to verse 11. It says, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And when we look at this verse, we can see that the reason we use our talents and our gifts is for this end. It says, in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. It's the reason we live, isn't it? That's the only reason we're here on earth, is to honor the Lord Jesus Christ on this earth. Hey, I want to go back and look at the first part of this verse. I just want to clarify something. Um... We want to make sure you understand what Peter is saying and is not saying. He says, whoever speaks as one who speaks of oracles of God. And that phrase, oracles of God, can be misinterpreted so easily. First, I'll tell you this is not the matrix. He's not speaking to the oracle. Uh, this is not some mystical, special prophecy that you get to speak whatever comes to your mind and say that it comes from God. What Peter is simply pointing out for us is for those who speak the truth of God, which is this, his Bible, his word. So whether it's sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody, or leading a Bible study, or even preaching and teaching from God's word as I have the privilege of doing this morning. And then Peter goes on to say in verse 11, in order that in everything God may be glorified in Jesus Christ. Point five on your outline is this. In everything we do, we do to glorify God. In everything we do, we do to glorify God. You know, today we're here as a church family to hear God's word, to learn from it, to apply it to our lives so that we can go forth and honor the Lord with how we live. But maybe you're here today and maybe you're here because somebody invited you. Uh, maybe you just felt a reason to go to church and you have never ever made a decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe you've never received the good news or the gospel. 
Simply put, we are all sinners. And that means that we have missed the mark, the standard that God has set for us to live our lives to be able to go to heaven. And because of this condition, we have separation from God. But because God loves us so much, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Yeah, what a great promise John 3.16 is, isn't it? You see, God made a way for us to restore our relationship with him through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And the Bible even tells us how to do that. And I love this verse. I love these two verses. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says this. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Wow, what a great promise. What a great promise. Today, if you're here and you haven't made that decision to acknowledge to repent from your sins, to confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to make the most important decision that you will ever make in your life. And if you would like to do that, I would be happy to talk to you afterwards. Uh, please come and see me, and uh, we can pray together. In fact, let's go ahead and close and pray together. Thank you guys for listening. Father, we come to you today, Lord, and we give you thanks and praise and honor because of who you are. And God, we know that, that without you, we are nothing. God, we as believers at, at Bram Emanuel, we come to you humbly and we acknowledge you for who you are, the creator of all things, the holy and righteous one true God who sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so that we can have a relationship with you. God, we thank you and we praise you for that. And so God, as we stay in your word this week, Lord, as we spend time in your word, help us, help us to apply these truths to our lives that we can honor you in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thank you, everybody. Have a great day. Heaven came and kissed the